just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Welcome back. Hey, good to be back. Another week. Another week. How's it going? Oh, not too bad. You? Pretty good. It was a pretty good week, I have to say. Well, we're back, bringing you another episode. We're going to talk about some relics of ancient past in the Star Wars universe. Ancient to, I guess you could say, current. Some of them. No, the relics are kind of an interesting subject in and of themselves, just the idea of relics. It's not like... Uh, you might think of relics in our timeline here. You're, here, a relic is something that connects you to the past. It's something that, you know, it could be a piece of clothing or it could be a, an item that was crafted in a fashion that... It's symbolic of history or some sort of significance. Kind of a piece of the past. Whereas in Star Wars, a relic is typically something that actually contains a bit of the person. Or or has use, you know, like like you were saying, a lot of the relics that we would know of today in our world are, some of them may have uses, other ones may be more ornate. But they're things. Yes. Right. There's, there's, in Star Wars, there's a bit of a metaphysical relationship with relics. To a lot of them. But no, no order here specific, I guess we could just start off. Kind of the more obvious <laughs> one we all know of in the Star Wars universe would be holocrons. Yeah, that'd be kind of my first go-to as a holocron. <laughs> which, Sith or Jedi. Right. But a holocron is a really interesting thing because it's not just a database. It's not just a, a computer or a digital tome. It, it actually is a force-infused item that the person who made it literally uses the force to put a piece of themselves or in some cases, a copy of themselves into it, or even themselves into it. Kind of a, a flashpoint of their life where they're at at the time. Or just documentation. It can be something as mundane as just a document, a list. There's a holocron for uh, Force-sensitive creatures that have been discovered in the galaxy. The Jedi use it as a, a recruitment tool, but it is just a list. There's There's not really a metaphysical binder to it there is a key that can be used to unlock it and and use it to its true potential or just the force <laughs> a lot of sith holocrons would require by nature a dark side user to actually unlock it right you would have if, uh, to utilize the force to access the contents yes and there are some on korriban that like Certain ways to unlock them would be force lightning or simply just a touch of a dark side user. Having the for having the ability to utilize the force and being aligned to the dark side would be yep. simply enough. But in other cases, you would have to solve a puzzle or prove yourself worthy. Or in some rare cases, you would have to utilize the the dark side of the force to kill a creature. Yep. Yep. The I guess the more prominent one would be the Telos holocron, the oldest holocron, and actually... Oldest known holocron, I still hope for more. <laughs> well, that's, that's the hope. And it, it withstood all the way through Palpatine's time, and it was created by a Junta Paul, who we've mentioned before in other previous episodes, one of the oldest 
dark Jedi to ever have existed. That's that we know of. And well, I think cre- that's pretty much confirmed. I don't think we can go much further back than Ajunta Paul because he was there at the schism. He was there at the time of the schism. He was mm-hmm. there at the beginning of the Sith as we know them. The, yeah, not the species, the actual <laughs> alignment, which was the joining of the Sith species and the Dark Jedi to become the, the Sith that we know of today. Right. Well, he created the Telos Holocron along with the help of his acolytes, of course, but he was the, the gatekeeper, essentially. and The it, father it, of holocrons, if you will. Yes, and it kind of... He just gave all of his knowledge of of the wrongs of the Jedi and and basically taught about the difference between using the Force for personal gain and not aligning yourself to the Jedi because of what the Jedi would do and how they were falling apart. Even back then, it was foretold the Jedi would fall apart, naturally. And throughout history, this, this holocron was passed down from dynasty to dynasty. Naga Sadao got a hold of it, Mark Aragnos, a lot of the ancient Sith lords, even Exar Kun, put some of his uh, knowledge into it. And it goes up through Darth Bane, who finds it in a cave as he's searching for Sith relics to become more powerful. Well, relics in general, he didn't really discriminate. Right? Yeah, this, this is true. And uh, eventually lands its hands into Plagueis. Yep. Who had it and was going to give it to Palpatine until Palpatine killed him. And then Palpatine got a hold of it. But Palpatine, he he really didn't have a use for it. As soon as he studied all of it, or what, what was contained within the Holocron, it was kind of more, just kind of became a... I don't know, like a paperweight almost for him. Well, that that holocron at the point of the rule of two, and by the time Plagueis and Sidious got their hands on it, that was just common teaching of the Sith. That that was all pretty mundane stuff. That was pretty base level. Here's the failings of the Jedi. Here's the reason. Here's the baseline of why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of useless to him because beyond the knowledge, which was pretty standard... It didn't have much more to give. Well, and then after the Galactic Empire fell, Luke came into contact with it, and he basically barred anyone from learning from it until he had studied it. Right. And once Luke studied it, he actually allowed some of his stronger-willed force users, like Kyle Katarn, and some of his more trusted... Jedi, you know, colleagues his to study more from press, uh, his more uh, promising disciples or whatever you want to call yeah. them. And they they did end up learning a lot. It it allowed them it allowed Luke at least to to be able to further his quest of kind of going away from the Jedi and keeping himself aligned with the light side at the same time. Starting so, a more neutral Jedi Order that actually does what the original Jedi claimed to do, which was keeping balance. The Jedi, yes. And then, I mean, there's hundreds of other... Darth Andidu had a holocron, which Darth Bane learned how to do essence transfer. Karnas Moore had a holocron, which was about prolonging life. Freedon Nad had a holocron, which was about obtaining power. I mean, there's so many untold stories of holocrons that... Well, and there's there's... 
a vast amount of holocrons. They can be destroyed, obviously. Some of them have been. But the Jedi had probably thousands of holocrons in the temple on Coruscant before the fall. Mm -hmm. Uh, These holocrons usually were made by some of the more prominent and powerful Jedis. um, Because it took that power to be able to do that. And they contained everything from force methods to help plants grow, um, you know, using your ability to meditate and, and kind of control the metachlorians to slightly adjust weather patterns to all the way up to... Lightsaber technique. Light, lightsaber I mean, combat. And, even as simple as war stories. <laughs> you know, well, what other Jedis had learned in their, their quests for becoming powerful or Yeah, or history books. I mean... Everything that a Jedi Master knew he could put into a holocron. Yep. Which, they didn't exactly just put the knowledge in in most cases. They kind of put an image. It was a very shallow copy of themselves into the holocron. You didn't learn from the holocron, those holocrons by reading. You learned by talking to this snapshot. That was more the Sith orientation. Well, the, yes. The but, Jedi did have them, but, but the Jedi was more of a codex, I guess you could say. Something to read and learn from. The Sith would project themselves into the holocron and have more of a visage that would... Almost like an AI, but it could actually have conversations with you because it was imbued with the Force as a living think, thing. Think Cortana from Halo. Mm-hmm. Or ED from Mass Effect. Yeah. It's it's an intelligence, but it's only as intelligent as the person was at the time they created it. But the fact that it can have <coughs> conversations with you is what intrigues me the most. Like, Darth Bane would talk to the Sith holocrons right, and would talk but, back. Right, but even in our time, there's, there's bots that can talk to you. That's not all that impressive. What's really impressive... The thousands of years that they lasted, it's impressive. That's really impressive. But the part that's really impressive to me is that the holocron, the image on the holocron for the Sith, and a few for the Jedi, could actually learn from you. Some of them could, depending on the type of holocron. They, they didn't just respond to you or, or rattle off answers. They could learn from you and, and adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. So that really interests me, because that is absolutely insane technology. Well, and the fact that holocrons could last for thousands of thousands. Tens of thousands of of years. I mean, Ajunta Paul, you know, thousands of years before the Battle of Yavin, and that holocron lasted through Cade Skywalker, Luke Skywalker's grandson. I mean, that's almost a 10,000-year period. Well, a holocron is pretty... Pretty resilient, but it can have failures. And there are cases where Corruption. knowledge is totally lost because the holocron itself, the physical item corrupted, or, was or the file within it was corrupted, or it was destroyed, or... I mean, Darth Bane studied Darth Revan's holocron until it literally, it, it corrupted itself because it was like, I'm tired of answering your questions. It, it, yeah. Literally. Which I'm, I'm kind of surprised in the in the... The time of the Brotherhood of Darkness, that more of those holocrons didn't do the same, because... Well, because the Brotherhood of Darkness didn't study holocrons. They they worried about power, and you weren't allowed to study ancient... You were allowed to study ancient tomes and texts, but Darth Bane was the only one who did. 
Right. Because the other students were so involved in trying to surpass their masters and get power that Bane was like, there's more to this. They were more worried about the politics of it and climbing the ladder. Exactly. The other timeline that I think more holocrons (laughs) should have corrupted is uh, the one Sith after the fall of of the Empire. Oh, Crate's time. Because Crate bothered the, the beings in the holocron so often just to be like, I need your help, and they just constantly tell him no. Like I'm not answering you because you're failing. You're you're not following the rule of two. Yep. And so I'm surprised more of them weren't just like, I'm done. Give up. <laughs> I'm gonna short circuit myself. <laughs> but beyond holocrons, they're one of the ones that stands out the most to me is the more talisman, as we've talked about in other episodes as well. Karnas Moore, one of the ancient Sith lords and a master of Sith alchemy and sorcery. He created this talisman that was almost like a brooch or a necklace. You could wear it as a bracelet, a necklace. And it was imbued actually with an essence of Karnas Moore himself. So anyone who would wear this holocron, or this, excuse me, all the talk of holocron. relic. Anyone who would wear this relic would become basically, I don't want to say corrupted, but they would fall under the influence of Karnas Moore's spirit. And if it fell into the hands of someone who wasn't Force-sensitive, all of a sudden they would have immense power that they couldn't necessarily control because that was Karnas Moore's way of coming back, you know, from his thousands of years of death. Well, this really, his talisman started as a, as a way to be immortal. He didn't see a way that he could make his physical being immortal, but he thought, if I could trap my essence into this item... I could come back perpetually just by someone wearing it. And he did. And he did. He tormented people who wore it. Oh, absolutely. He could control... So he would let them think that they had control, but at the end of the day, if he wanted to move their arm, he could. Right. But the user didn't know what was happening until they just had nightmares and were tormented. He could control them, but he couldn't get rid of their spirits from the body. Yes. Which is... One of the saving graces of Disney is the fact that they got it right that you can use the force to take a body in the spirit of the person that was there before you. Yeah. Um, so because Garnus Moore didn't really understand as much because he was the first one to pioneer it, he didn't understand that if he did it right, he could have taken their, their body entirely and cast out their spirit. Which he tried to do. He did try on a lot of occasions, but he just didn't... He didn't have that ability. He didn't understand it fully. Kind of like uh, Qui-Gon Jinn couldn't manifest his image, his visage, after his death. Because he did not fully understand the technique of becoming a Force ghost. Well, not not at the start. Eventually the Force allowed him to, but it took years and years of studying after he was already passed. Right, (laughs) but like Obi-Wan, he he studied that through his life and was able to do it immediately. Yeah. Same with Yoda, same with several others. Um, Anakin even. Yes. Surprisingly. Which which kind of breaks the continuity on that one because Anakin never studied it. He doesn't have to study it, though. It also has to do with how powerful you are in the Force. This is true. So even though Qui-Gon was immensely powerful and wise in life, at the end of the day, the Force decides who who is worthy and who isn't. Well, and I like to think that Anakin and Darth Vader at that point 
was smart enough to try to study that and try to study ways to continue life after death. And then when he came to the light side at the end of his life, it unlocked the ability. It allowed him because he was no longer dark side. Um, I mean, look at look at Yoda. Look at what he had to go through on Dagobah to become a Force spirit. Right. Someone as powerful as Yoda. Well, and even before Dagobah, if you watch the Clone series, he had to go to a planet and pass all of these trials with the Force. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what they're called. The the ladies in the masks. That's not the Wills. It might be. I think that is the Wills. I wouldn't call them ladies. I think they're gender fluid. <laughs> they're forced beings, Phil. They don't have a gender. Then how could they be gender fluid, Cameron? <laughs> That's. I'm just talking about Anyways, how maniacal the thought no, of it I is. Get it, I get it. So... In those cases, that's that's really... They do not require a talisman to do that. They don't require an, an item to move beyond the veil. Whereas the dark side did. Yeah. And then so... It was very, the dark side didn't really come back as spirits, though, after death. They would come back as... like Almost like a, a, a portent or an apparition. Yes. Sometimes they did, though. Depending on who they were. Depending like, on their... On the way that they worked, on the way that they accomplished this. So you have people like... Um, and Didu, Nihilus. Nihilus, who actually lived as a spirit in the physical world for quite some time. Ah, I feel like he was more of a poltergeist, though. He was here, but he wasn't. Right. But yes, he was, spirits aren't But here. he was non-physical. Okay, yeah, he was more spectral, I guess you could and say. And there again, that's the imperfection and the corruption of the dark side. He was trying to achieve immortality. He wanted to be able to come back after death. Or to not die. And that's the problem with all of the Sith who try this technique, or any technique to, to achieve immortality. That's the reason Sidious should have stayed dead. <clears throat> well, and even Sidious was wrong. <laughs> he was trying to physically continue. Where the only way to continue in the Force is to will yourself to be separate from, but a part of the Force after death. Darth Bane, Darth Andidu is the one who perfected that. His holocron taught about essence transfer. But there again, they needed an item. They needed a, or a person. (laughs) Well, a thing. They needed something physical, whereas the the Jedi, because they were not so tied by the dark side... They were not so corrupted. Mm-hmm. They could be of the Force while being in the Force. Exactly. Um, so, a, a little bit of controversial relic is, or at least with Cameron, I don't think he'd consider it a relic, <laughs> is the Darksaber. Uh, it's not a relic. It is. It's not, though. It is an item imbued with belief. Okay, then every lightsaber is a relic. Could by be. Defini- by definition, they are, but in terms of relics with, I don't know, some sort of continuity to the story. The Mandalorian story has evolved, Cameron. <sighs> the relic doesn't necessarily give you the right to lead, but it it's a sign that you beat the former wielder in combat, thus you are Mandalore. So it is a relic. And it's a relic that I think's really cool. Got a really cool backstory because it was created by the first Mandalorian to become a Jedi. 
And it was created in a way that no one understands in, in universe. No one understands how he was able to focus the crystal so perfectly to actually give it an edge. It's not just a round tube of, of light or of energy or whatever. It is a blade honed so perfectly, focused so perfectly that it looks as if it is a physical blade. It's not though. It's essentially a void trapped in a a blade, which which is cool. I'll give you that. Right, but in, in nowhere in in Star Wars history do we have such a blade other than there. The staff. Other than there. <laughs> okay, if you're talking about in canon, then yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Nowhere in Star Wars history do we have a blade that was honed so perfectly as to make its form recognizable as a blade. The Void Staff, yes, you can argue it, and I think you might be right, but the Void Staff is kind of a different beast. It's still vague. It's still not as perfect as the Darksaber's crystal. And as the Darksaber's construction, because the Darksaber is constructed out of Mandalorian iron, first of all. Which, I don't think I can think of another lightsaber that utilizes Mandalorian iron. Uh, none, but the Dark Staff... Well, we can get into the Dark Staff after the Darksaber, but... The Void but Staff. Dark Staff. Is it? Yep. Okay. The Void Staff is from League of Legends. Oh, that that's like. right. But, I guess as far as the Darksaber's concerned, it just... it. For me, I wouldn't consider it a relic because... I thought I'd throw it in there because it's one of the few in Star Wars that actually means something. There's controversy, which is what I like. It doesn't have the Force power imbued upon it. It doesn't have Sith alchemy. You don't have to be a Force user to use it. You don't have to be a Force yeah. user. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I, thought, I, th I like it. I like the background. I like the story that it adds to the Mandalorians. You know, it would be a lot cooler if Jango Fett had it, though. In the Clone Wars. Think about it. The rightful heir to Mandalore? Who better of a person than... than Sh uh, what was his name? Shea Vizsla? Not Shea Vizsla. She was from the Old Republic. Okay, okay. We're going to call this Cameron's headcanon. <laughs> that the, Mando the, the, the dark saber was in his possession, but he just kept it as a trophy because he didn't want to be Mandalore. <laughs> That's not my headcanon. Whose headcanon are you talking about? Okay, so that might be my headcanon. <laughs> I, I just and until I, they confirm that it is not the case, I'm just going to go ahead and believe that it was rightfully his. Well, it is essentially. Anyways, um, I I like the controversy behind what you're trying to bring up because while yes, it would be a relic, I feel like it's only a relic to the Mandalorians. Well, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a relic. The Sith wouldn't care. You think Plagueis cared about the Maul dark did. staff? Okay, Maul should have been <laughs> should have stayed dead. But what about so the other Boba. Jedi? Boba Fett should have stayed if dead. If we're going to talk about people that should have stayed dead, Boba Fett most likely shouldn't have died to begin with. <laughs> he got he got hit by Han Solo. He hit his emergency evac on his jetpack right. without even looking. I mean, come on. Right, but you kill total, a guy like him off screen like that. But with total reason, let's throw this out there. Hanging from a peg into an endless pit on Naboo, 20 feet below a Sith assassin with no weapon, and the Sith assassin has a weapon, mm. Maul shouldn't have died either. 
Well, I <laughs> shoulda, coulda, woulda. Super cool. I like the mall story. I think it adds a lot of character. It does. I I don't care so much for the Crimson Dawn up upbringing with him in it. The Crimson Dawn, I feel like they could have done better without him. But I think it is cool. Like his, I don't know. No, I think they needed a common enemy. I think the Crimson Dawn, in order to unite and create the, to join all of the the cartels and all of the crime syndicates into one they needed a strong leader and they needed a strong common enemy and I think I, I think Palpatine is that enemy and I think Maul is that leader and I think it's a really good story yeah it could have been better anything can be better but I think it's a really good story well I'm not saying it's a bad story I just at least as far as the Darksabers and Relics are concerned, I mean, veering back on track, I guess I should say, I think the Darksaber, it's a cool Mandalorian relic, but beyond that, the Sith and the Jedi don't care about it. Because if they really did, they would have been looking for it. They could have just gone to Mandalorian, and the Jedi could have been like, um, this was created by a Jedi, none of you are Jedi, therefore you have to relinquish it. Right, and there's sour history with Mandalorians. I can already see where you're going. Your head, you're, you're been good for anyone, right? But then imagine if the sit, like if Palpatine or Plagueis came by and was like, "I want that." Plagueis they could have just slaughtered all. Would of them. not have said that. Plagueis and Palpatine would have walked in and just taken, slaughtered everybody, <laughs> and just picked it up. Like they wouldn't have even been diplomatic. Like you have this chance to give it to me. So then, why was why? I guess why was Maul so diplomatic? We're getting really off topic, but because Maul knew he needed to take it in the right way, quote unquote, the Mandalorian way, in order to wield what he wanted. Well, Maul he... wouldn't have been able to take on all those Mandalorians. I think that's probably why he knew. But he didn't want the dark saber. He just wanted to rule Mandalore. To start he his wanted empire. to be Mandalore. Yeah. Because he needed the Mandalorians to unite the crime syndicates. Yep. So he had to take it that way. He didn't have a choice. He had to face him. He had to kill him. He had to take the saber. Yeah. So that's that was the only way he could do it. And I don't think it mattered about the saber. He wanted Mandalore. Because he knew Mandalore was the only place he could stand and stand a chance of uniting who he needed to unite. Well, yeah, because they were neutral. To, right. The Republic but, had no control there, essentially. But in order to have the strength to bind the crime syndicates, he needed Death Watch at least. And, and Mandalore at best. Yeah. So, he didn't care about the Darksaber. He only cared about Mandalore. And there again, another relic that, that could be discussed in this is the Mask of Mandalore. Oh, that's by far a relic. Oh, yeah. Not Force-imbued. Well, but not all relics are necessarily Force-imbued in the Star Wars universe. Right. Darksaber included. Well, Darksaber uh, is, is Force-imbued. It was created by a Jedi. Anyways... Um, I'm a little sad that in The Mandalorian, the pike isn't treated with more respect. Well, or the in... spear. The, the Beskar spear. Because, let's be honest, you could have spun a lot of really cool content off of that spear. You could have taken the Beskar spear and made a long story. Just a few runes or, or Mandalorian writing or glyphs could have made that spear be the original spear of 
this Mandalore or the first Mandalore. Yeah. Or you could have given it history and drawn in now Ma- now Mando doesn't just have the Darksaber, he has the spear of so and so. How and far he are you? He could have the mask and he could have in what? The Book of Boba. Not far enough. Okay. Um I think the mask of Mandalore But he could he could be collecting these items in a way that it's like the force saying, You are Mandalore. And and he could get to a point where he has no choice but to accept that he is Mandalore. Well and he is they, at this point. They ruined it. He is at this they point with the dark the spear. Yeah, I got that spoiled to me. I know the spear gets melted down. Who spoiled it to you? Because it wasn't me. No, it was the internet. Well, that's why we don't go to the internet. The internet's dumb. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think he's... he's And we, we got to get back on track. But I think he's so... Din is so involved with the ancient ways that these relics of Mandalorian past don't matter to him as much. Right. But They're if, sacred to him, but he's not going to pursue them. Right, but solely. if that spear had had meaning or been from the first Mandalore or been for, you know, had it been ancient and a link to the, the leadership and he had he come across it like he did and it was just, it fell into his hands like the Force was willing it to him. Yeah. Same with the Darksaber. He could have got the Mask of Mandalore. He could have got an armor plate from Mandalore the Indomitable. And eventually he would have to come to grasps with the fact that the Force wants him to be Mandalore. The Force wants him to lead Mandalore. And that could have been such a cool story. Well, let's talk about the Dark Staff. Because that's one I'm sure a lot of you don't know about. So its origins go back thousands of years, and it's actually not from the Star Wars universe. The Dark Staff is from outside of what we know as the Star Wars galaxy. It was created into existence. No one knows Beyond by the whom. Death Bubble? Yeah. Well, uh, the, there are some extra galactic clusters in the Star Wars galaxy. Yuzhang Vong of, being one of them. Well, they're, they're clusters of extra galactic uh, matter. They're, they're star systems and whatnot that are just beyond the galaxy. They're next to the galaxy. They're, they're considered a part of the galaxy. But if you go beyond the galaxy as a whole, including these clusters... The unknown regions. The Hydean Way is... Or not the Hydean Way. The Anyways, I forget the, the names region? of all of them. No, the outside of the outer ring of the galaxy. If you try to go beyond that, you go crazy, and you kill each other, and you kill yourself. Yeah, it's the unknown regions, the unknown space. Yeah. Past the outer rim. Extra galactic space is just a death trap. Very few things can pass through it. There have been times where people were looking to... Maybe we should do an episode on that. We'll do an episode. We'll bookmark that one, dog ear. But just know that the galaxy is surrounded by some sort of field. Yeah. Where you cannot pass unless you go through a specific way to do it. And the Yuzang Vong came through that path. They found their way in. <laughs> but anyways, back to the Dark Staff. So this Dark Staff is grants the user immense power. Like you could be a janitor and if you got a hold of this, you would be one of the most powerful force wielders in existence. And depending on the timeline, the time and uh, when you're in the timeline, you could be very well the most powerful. Absolutely. You could and also it, be a little punk. It's noted as not being, it's noted as not having any feeling. 
It's literally a staff, but it's it's of of I hate using this term, but it's a void. A void. There's no temperature, there's no sound, there's no feeling to there's the staff. There's no mass. It is as if you are holding nothing. Literal nothing. Not just you don't hold anything. It is as if you are holding the absence of things. But so much is unknown about it that the the Jedi were scared to even talk about it. And the Sith wouldn't pursue it because of just sheer corruption, which is kind of ironic in Tantramar to the Sith teachings, right? Well, The, the Sith, quest for greater power. The reason the Sith don't pursue it is because... It'll kill them. <laughs> yes. It will. The reason they don't pursue it, in my understanding, is because the Sith wish to obtain power for themselves. And when you obtain the Dark Staff, it's not your power. You don't gain the power. It is power over you. You almost have to give up that power, if you're a Sith, to the staff. And and so why would I take or why would I seek out something that is going to, yes, make me more powerful, but it's going to take away from my power in doing so. Well, that's why I was saying it's Tantramar to Sith teachings, because the Sith are all about the quest for greater power. But, when it, but again, it's not their power. That's my point. So the the reason that no one pursued it, and it was honestly, it was just myths, right? Whispers in the galaxy. Myths, of, legends. Because and... anyone who ever came into contact with it would would vanish. They would never be heard from again. Well, or It they, is a known thing because in the Old Republic, there were notable Sith flare, users. Though. Yeah, but there were notable users of light and dark who got a hold of it in the Old Republic. All of a sudden, a Sith would take a whole bunch of territory and have a whole bunch of followers and a whole bunch of power and then just poof. Gone. No word from them. No trace, no and nothing. the staff would be gone as well. And it would appear somewhere else, halfway across the galaxy of its own accord. It, it, had, it literally had a mind of its own, which is why it's well, so strange. Well, we don't strange. necessarily know that. But we do, because it's not a part of the space as we know it. What we know is that the staff would be in one location, the person wielding it would disappear, and it would reappear elsewhere. We don't know that it has a mind of its own. What we do know that is... That tells me it does if it's allowed to appear wherever it wants. Well, we don't know if it actually just appears. Not, it's not the, sentient, the person, but as far as relics go, it's But ancient. the person holding it could... Use that power and that knowledge that it gives to follow some breadcrumbs that no one else can see. And when they get most of the way there, they fail. Like, it, it could be leading you to something more powerful than the Starforge. Yeah. It could be leading you something so powerful that no one could handle it without being imbued by this power. What if it's a star, Starforge-like item? That produces void weapons. So I like to think of it... The only reason I claimed it had a mind of its own... I don't actually know because nothing's been written about it. But is because we don't know who created it or, or what created it. I and like, we don't know who or what could be controlling it aside from itself. Right. Valkorian and a staff. <laughs> because people do. They just pick it up and then later they disappear. And they show up halfway across the galaxy. They're chasing something. They don't, but they don't know what. They don't know what. We don't know what. But it's a really cool. It's a really cool idea that perhaps 
there's something huge that we don't know. No. I mean, not yet. There's not much written about it. Who knows? But I just think it's a really cool relic. Moving forward, one... That'd be a relic. And engulfs all of the Star Wars galaxy. Just sucks up the entire galaxy. (laughs) Well... Well, that would um, explain why it's a void. Yeah, well, don't don't get me started on that. <laughs> um, Philip and I had a, a debate in college that lasted for years. Still lasts to this day of if a void is actually something or if it's nothing. It's the absence of something. But it is something because it exists. It is the absence of things, by definition. Philosophically speaking, it is <laughs> something. Anyway, we won't get into that because that's a whole other episode by itself. Another cool relic would be... In, in in at least my readings, is Naga Sadal's blade. Ah. So Naga Sadal was one of the ancient Sith lords who reigned in his empire. I would say, I'm just going to throw this out there, let's cover all pre-lightsaber and proto-saber blades. Oh, yeah. So then the darksaber can be just straight. You want me to edit that out? Or? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> darksaber is a lightsaber. I'm just kidding. But... Yeah, before no, proto sabers, before lightsabers, there were force imbued blades. They had physical blades, daggers, axes, swords, made of metal, staves, made, you know, viper blades, whatever they are. Cortosis. Um, typically made out of cortosis, imbued with the force. This is one of them. So Naga Sadal's <laughs> blade was his war blade that he had used to conquer countless systems, slaughter countless enemies. And it was alchemically imbued with poison. Like, it was it was strangely created alchemically by him that if it struck a user, it, it had no signs of, like, no kind of resin or any kind of poison or any kind of liquid on the blade. It was imbued alchemically to be poisonous once it struck you. So it's almost as if it was created that that he somehow was able to imbue some kind of force power that once it cut you well it was it was alchemical so he he introduced some kind of of he had to introduce some kind of element to it to create this we but a, after thousands Revan ends up finding it on uh, in Nagasadao's tomb and that i mean that Revan was thousands of years after Nagasadao passed and Any, it was still poisonous anybody who knows 40k uh, think Grandfather Nurgle's the blade of his fault, fo- the blades of his followers. It is just pestilence. It is poison. It is disease. It is. It is not a poison. The blade itself is disease. Or it is rotten decay. Yes. Or in uh, if you're Magic the Gathering lore followers. The Elder Fang tribes of the elves would imbue their swords and weapons the same with poison. Right. It, it's kind of like in. Uh, well, those were more, that was more venom, I guess you could say. Well, poison, it, but same concept. It's it's kind of like in Harry Potter when the sword of Gryffindor, because it's created by goblins, it takes into itself the properties of what it touches. It's one of my favorite favorite Harry oh, Potter. Oh, that relics, is one dude. of the most beautiful <laughs> things in the Harry Potter. Fully. Anything oh. it touches, it just it, absorbs. It absorbs its strength. So we'll do a Harry Potter relic episode for you. It's guys. a sword made purely of steel. It does not have venom in it, but because it came into contact with basilisk venom, 
it is now venomous. Mm -hmm. And it, at the end, is used, that basilisk venom is used to destroy horcruxes. But imagine you could take the Sword of Gryffindor and put it into contact with every single poison, every single venom, every single disease, every single nasty thing, and just allow that blade to pass that on to your enemies immediately. Instantly. Even after thousands of years, which is why Naga Sadao's blade was... I mean, this was at the height of, like, alchemy for the Sith. You had Karnas Moore and Naga Sadao and Frida Nat, all of these ancient Sith lords utilizing the Sith The creation alchemy. of half-breed species of Sith. Um, I can't think of any off, my hand, off the top of my head, but they're typically red monsters uh, that protect temples and tombs of Sith. And they, they the Gundarks. Well, the Gundarks are some of them, but they're alchemically they're Sith, use Sith alchemy to create different creatures. Shyrax, Tukatas. Yes, they're all drawn naturally to the dark side. But when the Sith were utilizing alchemy so much, these beasts they they, they modified drawn. beasts that exist into species that were designed for specific purposes, usually to kill. Yeah. And so, it is the height of Sith alchemy. This is the time when everything... I mean, they're taking swords and imbuing them with Sith lightning. So that every time they hit you with it, it, it sends a shockwave of Sith lightning through you. But it, when you picked it up, it didn't have plasmatic arcs. That's what's so cool about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and so it's so honed that literally it's, it's not a part of the sword. It is the sword. The sword is pestilence. The sword is Sith lightning. The sword is force repulse, whatever they imbued it to be. And there's any sword from that era. I would consider a relic because you could pick it up to this day. It's imbued with the force, so it will not corrode, it will not dull, it will not break, it will not, yep. you know, of its own accord. You could obviously break one of the swords if you were powerful enough, and it happened in combat. And the, the breaking... Jedi would also destroy them as relics, as not to be fallen into the hands of Padawans who could be easily corrupted. Right. And so, any sword in Star Wars, they're all over the place. Not very common, but. I don't mean they're common, I mean they're all over the places in every era someone finds one. Naga Sadao's stands out <laughs> to me the most, though. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, King Ados's great war axe, the ancient Sith leader of the Seven Tribes of Korriban. One of the coolest axes oh. in sci-fi. He, he, that thing was, it was, so it was Ornit. It had jewel, you know, emeralds and onyx and jasper, all these different jewel jewels. Jewel-encrusted. Right. Very ornate, very decorative. Pure gold, just to show of his, you know, he was the chieftain, he was the warlord, he was the king, he he, he ruled all seven tribes. But this blade was, or excuse me, this axe was, it was alchemically imbued. Which is obvious, because if you're actually going to use a war axe, you don't want it made out of a malleable metal like gold. <laughs> right. <laughs> Naturally. So when they imbued it, it allowed it to take on the properties. Explains why the Bronze Age didn't last very long. <sighs> I know, I'm just kidding. So, it, it's pretty miraculous that you can take something as malleable and as, as 
just soft as gold. And he alchemically imbued it. Made it as strong as cortosis. Oh, yeah. Made it, I would say, I think I want to say it's stronger than cortosis. I think there's legends, and by legends I mean in the EU, um, of it breaking other cortosis weapons. Well... Yeah, because most blades were cortosis lined at the at in the time. So cortosis was it was almost like it's it's one of the hardest elements in Star Wars. It's harder than Durasteel, and but it's, it's not as the, hard as Mandalorian iron. It's one of the few elements that is lightsaber resistant. Yes, rightfully. And if you don't know what we're talking about, it's a shiny silver metal that if you want to get a look at what cortosis is. Uh, almost the entire, almost the entirety of Sidious's lightsabers from Episode Three are cortosis, mm-hmm. uh, and he did that as an insult directly at the Jedi because the Jedi you have to earn your cortosis because it's super rare, it's super valuable. So to be given a piece of cortosis to put on your lightsaber, either ornamentally or as a protecting protection against it being cut, which is most of the reason it was that way. Which is why most Padawan lightsabers were destroyed, is because they weren't made of cortosis. It was mostly durasteel or some kind of aluminized material. But if you look at like Yoda's, and he's the grandmaster at this point, he is the big Jedi. Even his lightsabers are not entirely cortosis. Mm-hmm. Anakin's was though his his lightsaber in Revenge of the Sith was cortosis lined. Yes, but Palpatine's was not cortosis lined. All of the shielding on his and all of the casings were pure cortosis, because he was so wealthy that he could just buy cortosis to create lightsabers. The Sith were so wealthy, so powerful, so entwined. They also had more access to heirlooms and Sith relics. Yes, they did. So they could, like, um, any Naga Sadao's blade, any of the amulets or whatever that we've been talking about, the Rings of Power, not Lord of the Rings. Um, we need more stories about finding the Sith catches from the Rule of Two era. Which, by the way... Because ha- they're all over the galaxy. Have you seen the Rings of Power commercial? I have. Are you as somewhat disappointed as I am? Not yet. <laughs> my my only disappointment is number one it's a tv show they need I to make like a movie tv show format i thought it was going to be the silmarillion get, at first you get a lot more from tv show format look at the first several seasons of game of thrones or any high mandalorian volume, the mandalorian you've got all kinds of tv marvel has about two dozen you get so much lore from them. It is potentially a huge surplus of lore. And I, I'm really excited for that because Lord of the Rings does not have enough lore. It does. You just have to know how to read a book. <laughs> First of all, you need to know how to read... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight... Nine. Ten? Ten books? Nine books? Somewhere in there? Well, you have to know how to read first, Phil. And then you can read the... <laughs> so we're getting a little far off topic here. But, but... <laughs> okay, we're not going into Lord of the Rings because I'm still hopeful. I, 
it still looks good because I don't think that is a diversity hire. I know I, I see Well, it a here's lot. the thing. Look, I see it a lot. That's one of it's my reservations. It's a woman of color. It's a diversity hire. No, not necessarily. She's a dwarf. We know there are multiple colors of dwarves, and we know there are female dwarves. I'm a little disappointed that they don't have a beard, but I think that was just a quip in the movie. I, I don't think well, they showed it in dwarves, The Witcher. I don't think female <laughs> dwarves in Lord of the Rings necessarily another, have to have beards. It's another thing I want to get into and more is The Witcher. Dwarves, female dwarves can lead. It's not expressly forbidden. So maybe it's story centric. Maybe it's really cool, and I'm okay with that. But I haven't seen it, and I don't know. So I'm 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 hopeful because I love Lord of the Rings. Good, your optimism's there. But I, 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 I do think we need more Witcher stuff too. The Witchers, I loved those books so much. The games, the TV show, oh, amazing. I but think it could have been done better. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. No, I mean The Witcher in general. Oh. I think the whole universe could have been more well-rounded. Well, there wasn't really much because it's supposed to take place on our Earth. Yeah. Which is cool because most science fiction or fantasy related stories take place in another world yeah but you have some few i mean warhammer 40k technically takes place in the future of our timeline so does halo Uh, halo star wars dune star wars is a whole other galaxy or star wars star trek dune and there's a whole bunch even mass effect to a degree right and so there are a lot, but it is really cool to see... But to see it historically and not in the future, that's what I think is cool. Well, but it's... I, what I like about it is that it's fantasy in the future. Past, you mean? Past, future, whatever. I'm, I'm sorry, I keep getting lost on different... We started talking about a whole bunch of different franchises, and now I'm getting confused. Sith Relics. Um, Jedi Relics. <laughs> what I think is cool about The Witcher is the fact that it's fantasy in our set in our world. Where we do not have fantasy, we do not have magic. What I think is not entirely well-rounded is, well, most of it. Anyway, Sith relics. Or relics in general. (laughs) Uh, So relics in Star Wars, I really love, and I think we need more of that. There's, I mean... And the Mandalorian is the perfect place to do more relics, because he needs more relics. First of all, I think he needs a Force-sensitive sidekick. I really do. And not Grogu. just someone who is Force-sensitive like Grogu. I think he needs a Twi'lek or something like that where it's a downtrodden race. Sorry, my daughter's trying to talk about the podcast as well. It's true. She, she enjoys Star Wars as well. <laughs> um, so we need a, a downtrodden race like the Twi'leks. We need someone who is Force-sensitive but slightly trained. Perhaps someone who survived Order 66, but their master didn't, and they were just a Padawan learner, or they were, you know, very novice. So they know that the Force, they know of the Force, they know how kind of to control it, but they're leaning dark side because the only relics they've come in contact with are dark side. And we need more relic hunting. Well, obviously... we're going to do a second relic episode for you guys. We only hit on a couple, but there, there's hundreds of relics that we could have touched on. I did want to mention real quick, though, back to the Moor Talisman. Cade Skywalker did end up destroying it. I don't know if you've I read know, that. That was the saddest part of the story. So Cade Skywalker had the ability to use Shatterpoint like Mace Windu. He could do it 
ten times better than Mace Windu could, but he is also the, the grandson of Anakin Skywalker. Mace Windu mastered it. Great grandson. Cade Skywalker was a natural at it. it. It was something he did effortlessly because it was an instinct to him. Mm. But he had to destroy it because <laughs> if he didn't, people would become rat ghouls. I know, but still, the talisman is such a cool story. It's been... <laughs> It's been an unbroken chain since the creation of the talisman. It, it had a good life. It was time to, to put no, it to rest. No, no, <laughs> I know. But could you imagine the story of that of his talisman and the mask of um, Nihilus, Nihilus oh, don't. being put on the same person at the same time? You know, I almost that battle would have been epic. I almost feel like if somebody did wear Nihilus's mask, because that was what was tying him to... And I don't remember it being destroyed. I don't think no. it did get destroyed. It, it, it was still a thing. At the point of his death, it was not, well, death. It was not destroyed, and I believe <laughs> there defeat. was... Right. I believe <clears throat> there are stories of the mask and his, his cloak, cape, cloak. I think it's cloak because it wraps around. Um, robe, robe, whatever you want to call it. Um, when they're united, that's what allows him to come back. It has to be both. But there are stories of both items. He can't come back. His visage was destroyed by Mitra Surik. Okay, that. But that's what makes that's what makes him. me think that that his essence could still be trapped within it. That's what that's I mean. Why? So my personal theory and my personal understanding is if you were to bring both of those relics together and unite them, that is what would allow him to come back. Mm. He was not banished. He was not destroyed. He was stripped of his ability to present himself. No, he was stripped of his ability to commune with the material world. Right. And how did they do that? They stripped him of the two items he needed to tie himself to tie himself in. There are stories of the uh, mask. There's so many. Or there relics. are stories that could be his mask taking people. Basically, they put on the mask and he takes them. He takes them over. Hmm. They put on the the robes and he takes them over. Potentially, we could get a story of Nihilus coming back post Battle of Yavin. Yavin. If both relics were united, there's so many. It's just there's so. Could many you relics. imagine? Could you imagine Kate Skywalker on trying to take on Nihilus? Uh, no, because honestly, I think that's a battle Cade Skywalker wouldn't win. I don't think he could. I I don't think he's he plays... so powerful. Well, the problem is Cade Skywalker would be so powerful that Nihilus, if Nihilus were to feel his power. He would consume him. He would consume him, and then Nihilus would essentially be unstoppable. Well, not to mention the fact that Cade doesn't really play well with others. Or, yeah, yeah, he doesn't really play and well with the Force. it takes too. a ridiculous amount of teamwork and, and power and self-control to defeat Nihilus. So I don't think Cade could do it. And after Cade, I don't know that there's anyone powerful enough to. Yeah. Well... I know we only hit on a few relics for you guys. They're just ones that popped up in in our minds. But, the, I mean, we're going to have more episodes on this. And not just in the Star Wars universe. We plan on having episodes about relics from Lord of the Rings and Harry well, Potter and other... Come on, all of Halo is a relic. Well, yeah. The Forerunners had relics that we could definitely get into. 
Well, not just that, but like literally, the Halo rings are relics. <laughs> okay, that's what I meant. There's an yes. entire religion in Halo created around Forerunner relics. Now you can go deeper. You can go layer deeper. You can go back to the time of the Forerunners and them messing with Precursor relics. Oh, stop it! <sighs> you can go further than that. You can go back to the time of the Precursors and see them messing around with their own relics. <laughs> And in the Mass Effect universe, you have the Protheans, who were relics galore. You have the Turians with their relics, and they're... I don't really know if they're insectoid. They're the insectoid. Mass, the Mass Effect relays themselves are relics. But those those weren't Prothean relics. Those were Reaper relics. <laughs> those were Reaper relics. Reapers preceded the... But there's Prothean relics. There's Reaper relics. There's different relics of oh. different races. Protheans, if you guys don't... If there's you... ancient temples from races that no longer exist because the Reapers killed all of them. Well, the, the Protheans are like the forerunners from the Halo Galaxy. They're like the, the ancient race that kind of set the precedent for all I believe all they would of... be the precursors of the Halo Galaxy. That's what I... The Mass Effect Galaxy? Or of the Mass Effect Galaxy. Yeah. The precursors came before the Forerunners. Well, that's that's all we have for you guys. A little bit of relic knowledge. Another fun Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> but, as always, hit us up at our email. I'm still waiting for more Q&A questions. I've got a handful, but not enough for an hour. So... Hit us up at our email if you want us to do a Q&A. Hiveofscummyvillains at gmail.com. Scummy with two M's. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, give us a like, follow, whatever. Whatever the stuff people say is nowadays. Shameless <laughs> self-plug insert here. Yeah. But that's all we got, and can't wait to see you guys next week. Have a good one.